Well, here we are. It's time for episode 142 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy. I'm Ted. He's Wacy. We're in the same room for once. This is uh this hasn't happened in a while, man. I have to look it's back been on one. A while. It, yeah. Can't remember. Even like setting this type of setup in the office. Yeah. It's back to the old days, olden times. It is olden times. We well, I think I don't think we ever did it in the office. It was mostly in the We've done a few though. Dining room. I remember doing one where I was sitting on the floor and we did interview Dale Brisby because we were doing it over the the phone. Oh, really? Oh yeah. boy. Well, this guest is much cooler than Dale Brisby. He's uh, three times worked the music at the Canadian Finals Rodeo, twice at the Calgary Stampede. He's an engineering technologist. He's the editor of the Cowboy Shit podcast, father of three, wonderful husband, coming to us from his house. A, in, good, a good friend. And a good and a great friend. Uh, what We would call him the, uh, what do we call I don't know what the word is right now. But you're like I the, where you're going. Um, this man, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Sean Morton, thank you for joining us. He's also, yeah, we've Boys. said a lot of things. Thanks thank for you for having me on the show. This is, Do uh, feel weird being a guest knowing that you have to, yeah, after we're done interviewing this is you. <laughs> uncharacteristic of me. I like to be behind the scenes. So this is a big ask on your part, but you've asked me to do a lot of things over the years of, uh, putting this podcast together and i guess this is just another one a lot of things yeah what do you mean by a lot of things what have you had to do Sean? oh just tight schedules help out here add this cut this out (laughs) yeah my job as editor is is to make you guys look look good and not make you look bad and that's two very different things but i strive to do well at both so has your process evolved over the years has it become easier or harder are you more particular on how things end up Uh, um it's become easier because your process has evolved i would say so (laughs) are you saying we suck less at this now um no (laughs) (laughs) uh and that's not what i mean i just mean like technically (laughs) you've gotten better and that you know the 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 quality on on the audio side has improved and um I just enjoy being part of the show. Like I said, I like to be behind the scenes. I like to be part of stuff, but like this, but not in the forefront. So I can't remember, Ted, what the first episode I would have edited, but I feel like it's got to be close to 100 maybe, which is just hard to even fathom because that's a lot of hours of podcasting. It is a lot of hours, especially some of the shows were like, long as shit. We t- yeah, like a two-hour interview, like the Cody Snyder one. That was like a uh-huh. two and a half hour long conversation. That's a lot of yeah. shit yeah. to get through. One time I, uh, well, sometimes if I'm on a tight timeline, I'll speed up the audio like oh, yeah. to 1.1. <laughs> but then the one time I forgot to take that setting off and I published it. And I remember somebody texted and said, I think there's something wrong with the episode because <laughs> you guys were talking. Um, yeah. Your tone was just different because it was faster. Like and the chipmunks. The funny thing is, if you have a slow-talking guest, kind of like myself, they actually sound better at 1.1 than they do regular speed. So really? I'm probably going to fall into that category. Or the 50th? I just can't remember the first one I did. I, it's probably I can't name. remember because I listened to them all, right? So I can't remember if mm-hmm. I listened to them as an editor or all not. But that was uh, my prerequisite as I was a big fan of the show before I started. So. It was easy to say yes when Ted asked you to start editing it. Did you I have any be... experience prior or did it was just like something you wanted to give a go or what? Well, I had audio editing experience from working with music. So mm-hmm. where are we at then? So we're at 142 now, but 153, 
153 is October 4th. So yeah, this year, Sean, will be your 100th anniversary. Yep. How often do, do you, you ever moments when we used, you get sent the show and you're just like, fuck, this one's going to take forever. No. How often does that happen? Uh, No, it doesn't. I mean, I'm a fan of the show. If you guys were talking, if this was a hockey podcast, I probably wouldn't want to edit it because I'm not that into hockey or whatnot. And that's, I've got pissed off at you guys a few times in the past. When you get deep into hockey talk, and I'm like, "Fuck sakes, guys!" Like, it's enough. Everybody talks yeah. about hockey. Well, speaking of Everybody hockey, the Oilers. Hockey. Oilers go. You guys are talking. Um, no, I I enjoy <laughs> editing the show, and I yeah, like I said, I'm happy to be part of it. So thanks for having me along. Thanks for helping us out and making us not look like assholes. Mm-hmm. You bet. What, what are a few uh, some some guests and stuff you're looking forward to hearing? Or somebody you like some now you've like been able to follow along with us and kind of be on the journey. Who are some people you'd like to see come across the show in the in the near future? You know, the one that I've thrown at you guys a few times that I think you can pull off if you try is one one member of Nickelback. Because <laughs> I have a theory what about bands that? that like the bass player gets next to no attention, nobody knows who he is. And he's probably never been on a podcast because everyone knows, they know the lead singer, they maybe know lead guitar drums a little bit, but the bass player is always in the background. But I still think um, having a guy like that on, you can have some stories. That's true. We, uh, uh, Morgan uh, Lutzak from, uh, she actually helped us start the show originally. She was one of the first, she was the first editor to help us get it going off the bat. Um, she actually has been talking to me and tell me to pursue that actually. So I have a, I have a contact, uh, I have an email that I got to, uh, pursue. I haven't got on it yet. I need to get to that, but it's on my list to, uh, to reach out and see if we can get down Nickelback. Right. The, it's their managers. She has contact with their manager somehow. So nice. But it's in the works, Sean, we're working on that. It's a good call. But what, 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 what else though? Who else do you want to hear us talk to? For future guests? Want to talk to with us? Yeah. Oh, who's the last few ones I threw out? I'm bad for I like old cowboy stories, so I like I the most recent ones I suggested I think was Wayne Bold was one of them. And Doug Young. I, uh, oh, yeah, Doug's Doug like a way Doug doesn't want to do it. Though. <laughs> I gotta, gotta, the gotta problem with Doug is he's the only problem with Doug is he's um, modest and uh, humble, and so um, I don't know if you'd get the Doug Young that you would. He's the, he has the best stories though like just about other oh. people like about other people like half the time a lot of the stories he tells me has nothing to do with him it's like about no. other people that he's known and like worked with and grown up around like it's fucking awesome I've hit the road with Doug and we've we've been up north and back and done nine hours of driving and then turn the radio Hilaire. on there's always something to talk about yeah mm-hmm. Hilaire yeah. yeah Doug texted me the other day and it was awesome he, uh, I probably can't say this on the show though. Doug is like, probably is low key one of the funniest and probably one of the wittiest people that I know. Oh he's, yeah, he's like a whip man. It's crazy. Quietly. Quietly, like being able like working in the announcer stand with him is so fun during the show because he'll like look back at you and like have these like silly little comments and it's like the funniest shit ever. I I want to hear him announce the a rodeo as the Queen of England. I heard that he does some sweet, uh, <laughs> sweet. I've heard uh, some of his accents and have some video of when they are their top yeah. drawer. I think one of my favorite Doug Young stories though is uh, in Hillmond when he did the anthem. Yeah, let's have that one. I, yeah. I love hearing this story. 
yeah so doug i i was like doug do you want me to play it like i got the anthem here do you want me to play it and he's like yeah yeah play it and then he just like steps up and just sings the anthem like just sings Damn. it but then he forgot like one of the lines <laughs> and just kept rolling and just you know finished it off Damn. and then as soon as he was done he's like all right time for the bull ride and then we just like played off and like i don't know if he knew that he messed it up like i don't know if he knew that he missed it because he, he just like didn't. didn't skip a beat well that's <laughs> the thing though if if we ever screw up like we had a oh this is a fucking awesome story too okay so, wait, but before you get into this though we need to give some premise and give some context of who doug is because a lot of people who are listening i probably have no fucking clue okay yeah about. yeah true okay so doug young's like a uh, legendary canadian rodeo announcers announced rodeos he's from Peyton, saskatchewan uh announced rodeos for all his life done competed like done competed, yeah worked on the pf pfra yeah. pfra manager for for a number of years yeah, a uh a turn he told me one time he turned down the calgary stampede like he turned down Winston Bruce, I think, back like I don't know what year yeah. we're in, but Winston asked him to come do the stampede in like probably the seventies or eighties or some crazy thing like that. Like I don't know, a long time ago. And Doug's like, "No, can't. I got to do this horse show or horse auction." Like he was part of this thing. And he's like, I think "No, he was I taking his kids to it. I think it was an annual thing he did with the kids and kids." Yeah, and he's yeah. like, "No, can't do it. Sorry," and didn't do yeah. it. And then Winston never called him again because Winston's like, "Hey, you know, like if you turn me down, like I can't. I'm not ever going to ask you again." So it was kind of wild. So when Keenan Vine was part of the stampede, he hired Doug. So it was kind of neat for it to go all the mm -hmm. way back. And he got to do it on his birthday. On his birthday, yeah. I was like, he was like, I feel like it's a make a wish day. <laughs> yeah, that was my line. It's Doug's make a wish day. He said, yeah. yeah. But to wrap up the Hillmont story, the, the the version I heard is that somebody said, Doug, you forgot some words, and he said, Oh, that song's too long, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so going, it was it was awesome. But going back to the anthem side of things, so. Um, so forgetting words, we had a, we had a fun, we were in Dawson Creek last weekend. I was hanging out with Dave Pulse, another rodeo announcer. And, uh, and I picked him up from the airport. I had a little sign that said Dave Pulse and I got it done at PV Mart. I was at the, at one of the stores there and I was at Keddie's earlier in the day, but I got this like sign and got his name on it. He thought that was the coolest thing mm -hmm. that I put this, put a name on, picked him up <laughs> from the airport and then, uh, drove him around all weekend and, uh, met up with Jay, uh, with my aunt and uncle and then Mac Erno from TP Creek. We had a good visit with the that crew. Mac gave me a bunch of booze. I got the morning ride from TP Country. The like it's like Bailey's only with vodka. Damn right. Made in Edson out of Edson, like Bighorn Distilleries, I think. But anyways, we uh Dave and I we had a little bit of food with the crew, like uh in Grand Prairie. And then we uh and then we uh we drove to Dawson and got to the hotel, the George Dawson Inn. And uh, and we go put our stuff in the room and then and there's karaoke going on. Oh, yeah. there's a karaoke bar, right? So I'm like, Dave, it's karaoke. Let's go. Uh, let's go check this out at the bar. So we go to the karaoke bar and uh, Darby meets us there. And so the three of us are having having a drink. You know, they gave us free drink tickets. And in our room, they had like a whole great setup. Uh, Connie Patterson, the whole crew from Dawson, Reed Lear, they did an awesome job. But like, we got to the room and they had like a half a dozen beers in the on the table and a ch chips and snacks and beef jerky. And like, I've never been to a hotel. The only other place I was was North Battleford at the walking Eagle or the great, whatever the Eagle thing mm -hmm, is there. Mm -hmm. And they, uh, burden rodeo did that too, actually. Oh really? Yeah. 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 So yeah, like leave stuff in there. I thought it was really cool. But anyways, we go to the karaoke bar and there's people singing. And one lady, uh, asked Dave if she, if he wants to sit down with her, uh, she's like, nobody's sitting here. You can sit with me if you want. <laughs> and, and Dave's like, no, that's okay. We're all right. <laughs> so we just moseyed along. She did not sing super good, but uh, there was a few people singing along good songs. Then this this younger girl goes up there and like sings pretty good. And I'm like, dang, this girl sings pretty good. 
and uh like didn't think nothing of it right like it's karaoke like you're not thinking too much and then uh but then i but then i remembered that the that reed had asked me if i had a canned version of the anthem like of o canada so i was like yeah i got one but you know whatever like it's fine uh but then after this girl's done singing i just had this idea come to my head and i'm like what if this karaoke chick sang the anthem at the rodeo <laughs> so so she walks back like to go to the bar because i think her mom worked at the bar or something like i don't really know what this whole deal was but i'm like I, she's just walking back i'm like hey good job over there what are you uh what are you doing tomorrow do you want to sing at the rodeo and she she's like what what do you mean i'm like yeah we need somebody to sing the anthem at the rodeo do you want to do it she's like oh wow really let me talk to my mom so she goes over to the bar talks to her mom and then i like I like, I just gave her my card. I'm like, Hey, like if you, if you can do it, if you want to do it, just call or email me or whatever. So I get an email, like, I don't know if it was that night or the next morning or whatever. And she's like, Hey, mom said I could go and everything. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so, so this girl's name is, uh, uh, Sam, uh, Lamaru. And she's like, she's like 16. I don't know how she's in the bar. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm getting her busted, but, but, uh, I thought she was like 20 something, but like, whatever she, yeah. she, uh, she's singing pretty good. And so I'm like, Geez, like this could be like the Reba McIntyre moment, right? Like Reba sang the anthem at the NFR. Like back. we discovered her. Yeah, maybe we helped discover Damn. this girl, right? And so, so she goes and sings the anthem, does a pretty awesome job. You have to nudge her to apply for the CFR anthem. Yeah, contest. yeah, right. That's a pretty, but that's like a pretty sweet idea to like, to like have her jump in on that. Mm-hmm. Like I thought it was, it's really it cool. was a bit of a wild card. It was like, and then I, I didn't even ask the rodeo committee till the next day. Like at the meeting, I was like, hey, I got this idea. Or I was at like Slacker Junior Rodeo. I was like, hey. We're at the karaoke bar last night. And we met an anthem singer. You guys cool with this? Like, I think it's a good story. She's from here. You know, like, why wouldn't you want a local singing the anthem? So, uh, so she did it and she was like pretty awesome, like pretty Damn. solid. And then, but then the next day she sang it, but she got like caught up with some dirt or something. She's like, and she sings, she's like, oh, 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 sorry. And she like said sorry in the middle of it. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, can't boy. Do that. Dog you gotta, just blow, do you that. gotta just blow through it. So Doug's advice to Sam would be, don't act like anything ever happened. You just roll on. Just roll through. Nobody it. even knows. Because maybe somebody, you know, they just don't know, right? You can't you say remember, stop and say story in the middle, though. You got to roll do on. Do you remember at Calgary where the there was a the anthem singer? He kind of like sung himself yeah. into a corner. His his <laughs> like his his tone was one line ahead or behind, and Tallman bailed him out. Like Tallman went to his mic, picked up the next line of the song, and got him back on track with everybody. What the it was heck? incredible. I forgot about that. And that was like a pretty decent band around Canada, like somebody that kind of does yeah. stuff. Yeah. That'd yeah. be a hard deal. We were talking about it uh on Sunday in North Battleford, like because there's there there were some rumors that the anthem singer wasn't gonna show up. And they were like, Oh yeah, like you have they to get you up to the bar. You know, I don't know. They she did show up, but they just, oh. it was just somebody different from the weekend, but it was like um I was like if I had to go out there and sing it, I would probably forget half the words. If I had to do it, yeah. Well, Brett Gardner did it one time in PA Damn. at Tanner Burns' house. How did he do? He had the lyrics. He ran out of gas a little ways through it. Could oh, you? Really? Could, could, and he dropped the lyrics, or he dropped his script or something. And he like he still did a pretty solid job, but it was funny because he just did a whole PBR opening, right? Like he did the whole thing by himself, <laughs> introducing like all the guys, and you're going so hard the whole time. And usually, it's like the one chance he gets to take a breather, to take a breather, and then yeah. he has to sing the anthem. And he was like, <laughs> yeah, he just kind of like Fuck. ran out of gas for just a second. But like he got through it and it was just fine. But I don't know if anybody could really you, knew that. He could was you guys that. do it though? Like, Can could, you guys speak? Can you speak the lyrics right now without forgetting them? Because I'm no, in my I mind. I'm, I'm I, I, I get struggling. caught up in the middle. 
Yeah, I would probably screw it up. Yeah, I could. We could like it. we could start it, but I, I don't know. I, is that a good content or not? Really, I love the. Uh, what do you think, Sean? We're we gonna karaoke the anthem right now. I'm not going to. You guys can't. I get. I. I. I'll get lost in the middle of it. But it's it's just funny because wait, so like, you sing the anthem like the guy from Creed? <laughs> then you'd probably get it. <laughs> I don't think I might. I might be. Might be able to do it that Canada. way. But, uh, I love. The- <laughs> <laughs> oh, Canada! Yeah, our home and native land. <laughs> but then funny. that's I don't know what's next. Our home and native land. Patriot love, isn't it? Patriot love. But it's, it's funny because I could do the American national anthem easy. Let's prove it. Oh, say can you see? Cause it's sea of red. Yeah. By the dawn's early light. Sean, make sure to put this at one point five. So proudly we hail <laughs> at the twilight's last gleaming, <laughs> and the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air. That's kind of bad though. Well done. Well done. Right? It's brutal. Yeah, because it's like, oh, it's like, oh, Canada, oh, Canada. But you can't do uh-huh. it either. Oh, man, so you're better. In school, growing up, did you have to sing the anthem? Yeah, every morning. Every morning. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And the Lord's Prayer. Do you have to do that one? Too? No, we didn't go to that school. I didn't go either. Oh, okay. But sometimes you had to do it in like small oh. town schools, like no. yeah, town we did in a yeah. public school. Yeah, yeah, public school, small town. Really? Yeah. Oh boy, I never did that. Huh? Didn't go to that school. Interesting though. Mm-hmm. Huh? Well, uh, okay. Now that we're through all that, <laughs> the uh, for those who haven't picked up well, on it yet, we all work in the production side of rodeo, so we've yeah, seen a shit seen ton of shit. stuff. Um, Sean, let's go back to your story though. We're kind of <laughs> we're discussing a few things, but um, man, the one thing I forgot in your intro was uh, like for sure you were the 2007 Wild Rose Rodeo Association Finals Bullfighter, maybe 2006, somewhere in there. But we have a yeah, it's impressive you remember that 2006, what? 2006, one time, yeah. How many times? One time. One time. One and done. What was your favorite memory from the 2006 World Rose Finals besides the buckle that you still wear today? Did you have to politic to get there? Like, to get or the do you have another do you have music buckle? Are you the only music guy that doesn't have a music buckle still? Uh, yeah. If you could line me up with one, that'd be great. I do not have I one. Got one Does Waze have one? I got, oh. a, I got a wild counter. Gator has got a wild five. Series, so. Gator's got like five. Yeah, from the college finals. I got them buckled all the time. Yeah. yeah. I had to order my own, so I got one. Um, my best memory from the Wild Rose Finals is it as bad how you remember all those bulls, right? And you remember their names and what they look like, and it's completely useless information at this point. But Hanging like high. we were at breakfast on the weekend, and we were we we're talking about um like trash rodeo because because Les recently passed away, we lost him, and uh, talking about those old bulls, and that and all of a sudden it I realized I can remember you know what they looked like and what their names were and how they bucked and that. It's funny you pack that stuff around, but yeah, at the Wild Rose Finals, there was a, a bull from Miller's named Fishhook, and um, somebody bucked off in front of him, and um, I jumped over that guy, and then he caught my foot with his horn and wrenched my knee, and that was the the end of my Wild Rose Finals. So, Damn. oh, I, don't, really? I didn't even work at all. I think I only worked three three out of five pairs. Oh, really? Jeez, I don't remember that. Did but you wear a knee brace outside of your pants after. I didn't knee braces. <laughs> like that was probably part of the problem. Like but, goat tire. Um, yeah, at the time that was a big deal for me, and and mostly because I was I didn't grow up around rodeo. I didn't grow up around bulls. So when I first got around rodeo stock, I was as afraid of of bulls and horses as as any average guy. So it took quite a bit of work to get to that point to be competent 
you know, to be a bullfighter and then to get selected for an amateur finals was a big deal to me. So why did you do I, it? Why? What was your why? Yeah, you never was around it. Like, and where did your brother Muley fit into this in the bullfighting world? Well, he he uh, was far ahead of me, and I was kind of following in his path. So he would have worked those finals a few years before, and then he had a pretty good career as a bullfighter. He worked the Peter Cannon finals a few times, and was in a class of of guys that people still talk about as phenomenal bullfighters. He worked a lot with TJ Baird. He worked a lot with with James Northey, and you know a little bit with Jesse Byrne, and um, there was you know a lot of handy guys back then. So. So yeah, I kind of followed him. Um, I was late getting to rodeo, but I grew up in Marathorpe, um, you know, which is a rodeo town, a small town. But there's quite a few good cowboys came out of that town. Quite a few that that went to CFR eventually and and won some Canadian championships. So Travis Reed. Um, yeah, I was thinking about it the other day, and I, you know, for a town of 1,500 people, there's probably well over a dozen people kind of at that time when I was a teenager that had gone or were going to CFR. So at that time, yeah, that town kicked out a lot of was Cowboys. Troy Fisher from there too, the buckle guy? Is he Marathon? Yeah. So Troy, Troy was a Canadian champion and, and, uh, um, Darren Knapp would have went to CFR and his, his wife as well. And then obviously Danny and Roddy and you mentioned Travis Ree and, you know, some bull riders, Danny Golden, Derek Adams, um, Sean Lowry, guys like that. So, um, so yeah, I got into rodeo as a steer rider first, and then as bullfighter. And I just I like the challenge of what I, I always thought bulls were just cool, impressive animals, and and um, I like the challenge of it. And you know, the time that I did it, it was it was definitely a highlight for me. Uh, things were a lot different back then. Do you remember I ever worked, saving me as a bull rider? I don't, I don't know. Don't Maybe know. I hung you out to dry. I'm not sure. I do remember you riding at the finals the year I was there. So I don't know if that means you voted for me or not. I don't know if we got to even vote on you guys. Maybe as not. junior bull riders and steer riders. I don't know. I thought it was only bull riders. Back then, like it was a novelty to work with a second bullfighter. Most of the rodeos we did were by ourselves. And we- who did you who did you work for? Well, actually going back to two thousand six though, I gotta put this one in there that I I, rec- I remember winning the junior bull riding. The only saddle I ever won was in two thousand six in the junior bull riding. Oh, okay. Yeah. At I'll the Wild Rose. Yeah. And, I, and the next year, I swiftly broke my jaw Damn. in the open bull riding. I was riding both, both and I got my face mashed. Well, yeah. One thing, too, it's like those, a lot of those amateur finals back in those days were a big deal. Like, there's a lot of good oh, yeah. people competing at them. Oh, yeah. Well, and I, I went back and worked at finals a few times as a music director. And I would remind myself that to some of the people there, this is their NFR. Like, they're as pumped to be here as big deal. people that go to the biggest events in the world. So it was a reminder to, to treat it like that, right? Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I remember being there and being so pumped up. They played Thunderstruck in the opening and they have these girls doing this drill team performance thing in the dark with glow sticks yeah. and shit Damn. on like the Sunday. And I was just like, fuck yeah, I'm fucking ready I'm for this. Fucking here. I've I'm made so it. jacked up and I'm like, I'm the fucking coolest bull rot, junior bull rider in all the land and just so jazzed. It is a cool just, way to look at it though. You know, walk out there like, in the opening with 110 people and say just Dave Polson introduces every one of us and Denny Halstead's there. And I'm like, this is the coolest shit ever. Yep. Who'd you fight both for Sean? Did you fight for the Miller crew? Yeah. For the Miller crew, for trashes, for Duffy, kind of all the, you know, the contractors that were in, worked in that area at the time. One of my highlights of working with Miller's was I remember, uh, 
I was at Scott Bird's bullfighting school down at Nanton. So I think I'd been down there for three days. I probably slept in my truck for two of them <laughs> and then left there and was probably a bit beat up and sore just from, from learning to fight bulls at that school and dr- promptly drove north to um, Saddle Lake, I think. Boy. Was on a reservation up there for a rodeo for Miller's, probably one of the first ones I did for them. And again, would have slept in my truck, and then and the next day, um, waking up there and and uh, hanging out, and Brett Gardner was there. So this was early BG days. Like he setting up his <laughs> own sound, um, running his own cables, and I can still remember him plugging Saddle in his Lake. sound system. Yeah, I think this uh, was Saddle Lake or Goodfish Lake, but I can remember him plugging in his sound system and doing a sound check and thinking like. Holy shit, that guy that guy sounds good and looking over at, at Doug Miller with kind of a surprised look and he just chuckles. He said, Yeah, this this guy's good. So and I just remember seeing Brett there and being happy to see someone that was like my age and and probably was feeling the same about being at the rodeo that I was. So I think that that first night we drove to town and got a hotel room. Um just to uh get a break from the surroundings. So yeah, I was pounding the trail hard back then. And you had to buy your own rooms, otherwise you're sleeping in the truck. Is that bullfighter yeah, weight that, back? Yeah, that would have been the case. Yeah, that would. What'd you get case, paid so. to fight bulls? What was your weight? Like a hundred bucks, hundred bucks, two hundred bucks. Like what'd you make? Yeah, somewhere in there. I remember working for Art Peters, and he would pay three hundred dollars a performance, and I was, I don't know, like sixteen probably or seventeen. So, I mean, I was in high school, and I could go to a three perf rodeo on a weekend and make. Nine hundred dollars. That was a and lot paid, of money. And they paid your room or no? Well, I think we usually camped out with them. They had uh, a wheel or two there, but I don't know the I don't, the money was never really. It was just kind of whatever because I guess at that age you don't care yeah. that much. Gas was still cheap and it was fun. What, right? what? How old? How old were you at the two thousand six Wild Rose Finals? Would you have been like nineteen? Is that right? Yeah, that would have been right because I was first year college. Okay, where'd you go to college at? Nate, wasn't it? Nate, yeah. That's yep. where you got your engineering technology degree. Or Correct, is, or, yeah. Is it Diploma. a degree? Diploma, okay. Twice, yeah. At Nate. And then, yep. okay, when did you meet Casey? I remember you met Casey at the ranch. Because the bar That's back correct. in the day was yeah. the ranch. <laughs> and now it's called like Midway or something, isn't it? Uh, I haven't been back for a while. I haven't been back for a while. No, I know you Yeah, been... I met my wife um, bar, during CFR. Yeah. Really? Was I, I there? Was I drunk at that bar, at the bar that night? I, you I don't them? recall. I think it was. I was what year, Sean? Was your first music gig the one where we did at that bull riding in Drayton Valley? That Rod Wilson bull riding we yeah. did for a few years. Yeah. The memorial show. You were the you were the first guy to line me up with uh, with some work, and then I don't think there was actually any budget for music, so I think your dad just gave me some money, like out hey. of courtesy. He's like, yeah, thanks yeah. for helping out. He definitely did. Yeah, yeah. my yeah, dad had just... like some a couple. Uh, my dad, I think my dad had two thousand dollars sponsorship that he got that we did through like mom's company, and he just gave it to whoever he wanted to. He just like had like a couple, I think he just had a couple hundred bucks with different people. And he just like yeah. found who he liked and who, <laughs> who would talk, who would visit with him and stuff with Sylvie, and he hooked him up. Everybody got yeah. got a little got a prize here and there. It was pretty sweet. I was glad. Yeah, that you were. Sh- did you that. were shoot bossing? Yeah, because we did those couple events uh like for rod because rod well rod 
committed suicide in like 2007, I think, in the early spring of 2008, somewhere in there. So we did an event for him and Drayton, and it was kind of the first event. Like I remember helping with the high school rodeos, but then we did the did that bull riding, and yeah, that was like that was so that was like 2008 that you did that, wasn't it? I I don't think I worked anything until after we went to that seminar oh, really? in uh, in oh, Vegas. So what- but that was that'll be ten years ago, I think. Yeah, in that's the fall. right. So I've said it before that if it were not for you and for Dustin Edwards, I probably would still just be playing music in my basement by myself. You were the guys that kind of got my foot in the door and and got me started. Is that something you so. wanted to do, or like how did you get interested in it? Because would would you would, would you have so, would have had a long break between fighting bulls and then wanting to do music? I guess so, eh? Yeah, that was kind of my pyro heyday. Oh, that's so right. Um, so you did. I forgot about the pyro. Yeah, so we better we better bridge the gap here from bullfighting. When did you retire? And then, then so what? I would have quit fighting bulls or retired from fighting bulls, and I don't know, maybe a year or two after the final, so seven or eight. And then I've always kind of been interested in band production, and like my favorite part of the CFRs as kids was always the openings. Like I just I love that, even when they were just simple. I just thought they were cool. They turned the lights out and lit some fire in the dirt and whatnot, right? So, so I eventually kind of stumbled into that. And, yeah, how though? Um, like, where do you get in? Like, who'd you first do pyro with or production? Like, what ha- what happened there? Well, I think I was poking around trying to just do some stuff on my own, like Weekend Warrior, and then some people were said you should probably take the course. So there's a there's like a standard federal course to be able to to handle pyro. So I took that, and at that course, I met. Jeff and Eric, like Jeff Backus, who, you know, I had no idea at the and, time. Yeah, Jeff Backus. I don't know Eric's and Eric Salter P. Okay, I didn't know Eric's last name. So at that time, Eric was the co-owner of Pro Effects with Peter Gibrad, who is now the production manager for PBR Canada the, on the on the tour. And so busted. it's funny how, yeah, it's funny how that like how that started back then and how we still work together and whatnot. Jeff is still a close friend of mine and taught me most of what I know about pyro. So, um, so yeah, I got my ticket and started working with those guys and kind of like bullfighting, like you just go to some events for free and hang out and get to know people. Um, so did you, did but you that, do, were you just doing pyro like snakes and sparklers in your backyard or like, like where did the <laughs> kicking wing? Yeah. Were you kicking? <laughs> like what, what, what's the, what's the intro to pyro? Yeah. Cause remember you did a couple things like with us, like Tofield a couple times, you'd bring all the stuff and you did that. Was that pre right? But that was legit. That wasn't okay, independent. That was so there was. I never did an Emory Erickson and just, just did uh, it. and just did it on my own. Um, I kind of wish I could say I did, but, but then, but then, what so, was the start to before you did the pyro class? Where do you? I'm missing that part. Oh, just just poking around out of interest, trying to buy stuff that's like heavily heavily regulated and you can't actually buy anywhere, <laughs> and like finding videos on the internet and saying. You know where do I where can I get some of that? So yeah, I wanted to I wanted to put on pyro shows and build flame stuff and whatnot. And I you know you just like sit around and think about openings you would do and stuff. Um, so when I got my ticket, I mean that worked out way better than I ever could have hoped for. Like, um, you know I was so happy to to learn that the guys that I was starting to work with, the guys that did the Canadian Finals Rodeo and the guy that did the Calgary Stampede and you know, through them, I've been to multiple great cups. I've done concerts for Wanley Crew and ACDC so and 
went to the Olympics um, in Vancouver um, and, uh, you know, did openings at the Canadian Finals Rodeo in Edmonton um, for years and didn't really realize that I kind of had a front seat to how that production works and was working alongside, you know, literally the best people we have in Canada for rodeo production when you talk about Peter Jabrad and Jeff Backus and, um, you know, Nikki and, and Mike that worked with Aquila at the time. Um, and then just the announcers that were through there over the years. Uh, so, yeah, I, I learned a lot from those people and from that experience. And then um, when it came time to look towards music, I was able to leverage that experience. And uh, it's been a big help. I guess one of the last, one of mine at- me and Sean's last hurrahs before the music days was, was at Garth Brooks in 2012. Sean was there for uh, right for Pyro with Pro Effects, right? Sean, is that correct? Yeah. Did Sean yep. did Pyro with Stampede for a lot of years, and you would there'd be like you'd like come and stay at the house for like 10 or 14 days at a time. I was spending a lot of time in the rodeo tent, drinking at, a lot of beer at the Hanging R. Yeah, I was I was hanging out there, and then yeah, I spent most of my nights at the Ranchman because this was back in my single days. This was 20. Yeah, 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, like essentially, right. Right? I was, you know, I was prospecting and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, we once slept in the, in the parking lot of the bar in Ted's car. I didn't even make it inside. <laughs> Ted did, came back. We slept in the parking lot. He wakes up in the morning, opens the door, he says, Hey, somebody peeped outside my car. Yeah, Ted, that was you. <laughs> and then I had to drive to Edmonton that day and shoot pyro at a, football oh, no. game and drive back oh, no. back to calgary i think that night or the next morning to get back on that oh, crew God. so Damn, but that was a decade ago no i was 11 years ago so i was what 22 20 yeah 22 years old you bounce back pretty good at that age yeah more bounce back yeah possible. but working on that crew at at stampede was when the light bulb came on to try music Really? What so, the light bulb on? Yeah. Like, what was, what was, was hearing, the moment? It was probably hearing Benji play the same fucking song for 10 days in a row <laughs> the same, at the same time, the same place of the same show, like a broken record. I'd put it a bit different than that. but uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I was working down there loading, loading pyro and fireworks all day. And uh, the best. I was pretty... <laughs> as pretty... <laughs> pretty grueling work and doesn't pay worth a shit. Um, but, so I... I you're in the back and you can't see the rodeo, but you can hear it. And somewhere like, you know, after doing that for years, I don't know why I clicked, but it, I kind of started to pay better attention of how the music was part of the event and how you kind of knew what was happening. Maybe referencing what Ted's saying, <laughs> you kind of knew what was happening by what you could hear. And then I was, I was like, I should try that. Like, that's kind of cool. How that, how that all fits. And then, um, so Ted, I think you tell the story different. Maybe I'm bringing some controversy to the show, but as I remember it, I went back to your place on the final night. After the final night, we had a beer at your at your kitchen table at forty six twenty, and I told you, I think I'm going to try do rodeo music. And the next day, I would have been driving home that morning, and I, I, as I remember it, you called me and you said, I, I think that's a good idea. I'm going to do that too. Let's do it together. And we kind of said, Yeah, let's let's go. Really, I don't. I don't remember this, but I Cut. like it. That's a great story. I like. I really. I feel bad now, but I don't remember. I don't really recall this moment. There's been a lot of. I think 
Yeah. I think what I'm doing is taking credit for uh, launching your music well, career. So. I feel like it's maybe... Uh, you never thanked me for that. But it's maybe... Uh, no, that sounds about right. Because I don't, I don't re- recall why I started like it either. Because, well, I just explained to you why you started. Because <laughs> I Sean gave you the you idea. That's a good idea. That's a really good idea, Sean. I think I'm going to steal your idea and do it too. Fuck you, Sean. <laughs> I'm doing it too. But then it was you that that um, found out that there was a production seminar. They called it at the PBR World Finals that fall, and you said we should go. I never, I had no idea it was happening. It wasn't something that was really well advertised. It was kind of like word of mouth. And that was really when I, you know, officially kind of got started and, and said, I'm going to do this. So I, you know, I owe that to you. Well, thank you. I owe, I owe my music uh, uh, world to you then too, Sean. That, that's fun. I, I, that's really neat. I, I honestly don't kind of, so the stampede fog hanging over top of your head. That's probably exactly it. I had a ten day hangover yeah. going on. I was like, I right. play music. I was like, hell yeah, we should. Hell yeah, brother. Yeah, hell yeah, brother. Let's do that. <laughs> that sounds damn good. Cause, but I, cause I remember in those in that little timeline, the year before that, like 2012, Chuck Lopen was at the PBR Canada Finals in Saskatoon, and he gave me he okay. gave me a cord to plug in my 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 camera to record the bull riding the finals in saskatoon because i was right. doing stuff for jason and doing those events so i remember meeting chuck right and i think i met richard the next spring and then that right. fall after like before we went to the world finals i think mark stevenson was at the pbr canada finals yeah that was kind of things yeah because i remember you saying that you would you would like you hit the ground running because you were already kind of part of that team right yeah, that's so true yeah like i remember you mentioning that you would already played music at pbr canada finals which was pretty badass and that was before we even went to that seminar oh really so. did you let me play some tunes there that time really yeah i believe so i remember um, right but yeah those guys got us going and then because that next spring because like that was the transition of the pbr when everything went from like everyone put on all their own events except for the like the built for tough series at the time mm-hmm. And then those guys said at that time, and I don't know whose idea it was or if that was maybe the part of the, it wasn't the Endeavor changeover yet, but it was somewhere in there where the PBR was taking over production of all the major events and putting on different tours. And like they were making sure the product was similar across all events. And those guys told us, like Mark and Richard told us, they're like, PBR is going to be producing events. We need more people that know what they're doing and are going to do it our way and make these events sound the same. So you guys need to come to this thing uh-huh. in Vegas and, and we'll teach you. And then, and then Casey Duggan called me in the fuck like two months later. He's like, Hey, can you do Winnipeg at the MTS center in Winnipeg? Like where the jets play. And I was like, ah, definitely like count me in. But like, I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. <laughs> so I, I think I bought a, I bought a rented a mixer that winter. Cause I went and did the BRC finals too. you like, yeah, you, like I said, you were kind of part of that team already. So you hit the ground run. And I remember calling announcers and being like, I just want to come to some events and do music. Like I had a blank slate that winter. I downloaded Sports Sound and it was, I had no idea how to run it and it was empty. And I think you had given me like a collection of songs, which, you know, would have been the same group of songs that everybody has, like has all the generic stuff yeah. that we use. Well, because those guys gave and, us the music, uh, like Mark and Richard gave us that library to start with. Right. So then, yeah, just phoning guys and trying to get to go anywhere and like not having any luck. And then luckily, you know, you lined me up with that bull riding we mentioned, and then 
Um, I met Dustin Edwards through Pyro, and he brought me on for the rodeo that he was involved in in Big Valley. Oh, yeah. Like, I can remember sitting in the hotel in Stetler near Big Valley, looking at the program and trying to come up with just enough songs to get through a performance. <laughs> like, okay, there's nine team roping runs, and I only have seven. Like, what am I going to do? Like, just scraping the bottom <laughs> of the barrel, trying to figure out what music to use. Um so yeah, it was, it was humble beginnings, but I've just, right from day one, I've always enjoyed it. Like there's been plenty of bumps in the road and times where it's been stressful and difficult. And uh, probably sometimes I thought I should quit or wanted to quit, but I never started it with the intention of saying, well, I'm going to do music so I can work this big rodeo or this big bull riding. I just, I just like doing it. Yeah. Speaking of stressful times, that reminded me of that BRC finals and like, there are so many fucking things with music and audio that can go wrong and have gone wrong. And I think all three of us right now have figured out a lot of shit by failing forward and fucking things up and learning and figuring it out as we've gone. Cause I don't have no training in audio. Like I don't fucking know anything. I didn't go to school. I don't know. Yeah. Thinking. None of us did. Right. We're just, like, we're just trying to figure it out by trial and error and a lot of errors and a lot of trials. But like the one time it- in, uh, Cold Lake is one of the, my first few and I was at the same way like I had like 30 songs I could play for 30 bull rides and then 10 in the short go and just hope that <laughs> hope that we had enough right and uh, no rewrite yeah. songs Pray yeah for no, no rewrites just hope it worked out but I had something screwed up with my computer where I was using a external hard drive I just right. had no buttons working and I was just calling Richard and those guys I was like guy my computer is fucked. I don't know what's going on. It's all wrong. You guys have to I, have some of those. I think every every big lesson I learned came the hard way. Like every mistake you could make, every issue. I, I just again, I like it's like you said. Had you know, we both knew rodeo and bull riding, and knew next to nothing about audio. I remember renting speakers to go to a rodeo in Saskatchewan, and. Kindersley, so yeah. I signed up, bid this rodeo. Yeah, I'll come out there. I'll hang speakers in the ceiling. Never done that before. Um, you know, barely have ever plugged a speaker in. And these speakers had like a dual input, so they take a a quarter inch or an XLR, and I didn't recognize them. I remember phoning Dustin Edwards saying, "I think they gave me speakers, and the cable doesn't work for them." Like, which was not at all true. It just they just looked different to me. I had no <laughs> idea what I was doing. Man, there's been 101 things since then. There's nothing like when you're first learning and there's like something different, like a different way you hook things up or like a different connection or something. It, it like completely mind fucks you because it like becomes a routine, like setting shit up, right? And then as soon as that routine is messed, well, so a loop. the only saving grace is that it hurts so bad when, when shit goes wrong that it's just branded in your brain forever and you're like i'll never do this again (laughs) because i can think of multiple events where i would have liked for the ground to open up and just swallow me and i could have disappeared and that was it like i like i don't want to do this anymore this is no fun and it was always something to do with with the audio side rather than is it great really nothing worse than working in an event and you're not having fun that's true like we just like you just like consumed by like the thing that's going wrong or like trying to figure out an issue and troubleshoot it's like it's such a like disheartening thing and this sucks all the fun out of it what's your what's your worst one though like the worst worst mistake or the worst feeling you had or like what what went wrong i got i got one to start us off at that same brc finals i played macklemore thrift shop 
and he says like yeah i got a big cock this is fucking awesome and like all in like one and a half and one and a half lines and i remember looking over like because that was when we started the brc and we all got things going and russell friend was looking at and looked at me right in the eyes and his mouth dropped he's like and, I said, and that's a different time. And, I, my, and my heart just dropped. I'm like, motherfucker, I can't believe I just played a swear song at a bull riding. And then I was just like, he called me. He's like, yeah, Ted, we're going to have, we got fined because uh, from the oh, venue because because uh, of a swear song. And I was like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. Right. And he's like, no, nah, we're just talking to yeah. <laughs> Like, nobody gives a shit now that I think about it more. But I like, I try to pride myself in not having that happen, but it definitely fucking happens. But, but, but even back then, it's like, so much uh, it was more of a taboo thing where nowadays the shit they put on the radio like it's less of a big you get away with more of it people want more of that stuff what do you got though sean what's your biggest snafu lately not lately I one mean, that like stands out ago. um <laughs> i had one the um, other day too but, but yeah one that stands out is uh uh lee park rodeo which is you know a, is a pretty big rodeo in canada to a rodeo um yeah they took a chance on me before i'd done anything any rodeo that size um and uh i still don't know what happened but i think like doug and brett were announcing there and um you know they're pretty used to the routine there so i don't think they showed up you know to and we and we didn't do a proper sound check so i remember fighting with doug doug's in ears because i didn't properly know how to you know run the, my mixer and then we kick off the rodeo and like their mics just sound like shit both of them like something is seriously out of whack I can, I can just remember one of the committee guys in the arena looking over at the guy that hired me and ye- like yelling at him like, I thought you said this guy was good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so, I don't know. We got it sorted out somehow, and I've had a really good uh, thing going with that committee for years. I feel like I've eventually held up my end of the bargain, but, man, those of it, you know, you feel like, just the whole rodeo is hinging on you to get your shit together and, is. and everybody it is yeah yeah kind of is. Important, especially yeah. those smaller events where there's no like there's no other option well like now some... the bigger events like sean you're like you're at czar and lee park and mm-hmm. for audio and what like what other big ones am i forgetting right now but like there's you got a lot of big rodeos there to pay yeah on. those would be the like for bringing for bringing bigger oh, sound too, systems right? and jeez yeah and it's when you have those bad situations, that's why I still get nervous for the first five minutes of a rodeo where I'm running everything. Mics, uh, you know, it's my speakers, it's you're running in ears and the clown's mic and the anthem mic and whatnot because you're you just no scarred help. from battle wounds and you got no help. It's one guy and you can't so fix was, anything else. Yeah, and you, you can't try to fix the flies impossible. Right. If I'm at an event where all I have to do is play music, I'm it's easy. Even if it's a big event, I'm typically not that stressed out at all. It's the best. Um, I always get nervous when, when it's time for the O Canada to happen, and you have you have a wireless you set up, and there's a person like walking up, and yeah, you put the mic up to their mouth, and if there's sound coming out of it, it's like the biggest like relief <laughs> of them all. <laughs> right, yeah. or sometimes like an anthem singer will like take a breath in, and you think they're singing, but they're just like they're exhaling and doing it again and you think there should be noise coming on it's a it's a moment of panic but it is it's just funny to think that i could be more nervous at a small event running a system than at you know the biggest events i work when i just have played music I, going back to lee park i covered there for you one day one time it's like the first day of the rodeo uh and you were in czar i think that yeah, was a covid year when they were coming out of covid when they yeah. opened that. so 
something went haywire. I think it was my speakers, but your mixer and like your gear in the stand, right? Because yeah. we were doubled up. So we used my speakers and then put Sean's gear up top. And I went and covered for him. And I'd never been to Leaf Park. And I always wanted to go check it out. So it was neat to go check it out and do it and everything. But they had there was something seriously wrong with with the, what we figured out to be maybe maybe the mixer. Like, I don't know. But when, <laughs> yeah, it was it my was, mixer. So it was Sean's mixer. And something like with, like electronically was going really fucked up with the mixer. And it was creating this like this like uh, crazy like uh, hum that was going up and down. It was like, wow, wow, wow. It was like... I don't know if a fuse was broken in the mixer, like what the fuck happened, but finally, yeah, like Lane Peters is like, Lane Peterson's in the arena is like, Ted, I think you got something fucked up with your speaker, man. You got to fix this. So I like, you know, it's bad when people who who don't, shouldn't have to care about (laughs) one of the judges is like, normally keep to themselves. They're (laughs) like, "Uh, I think you got a problem here. So I jump down there and I hear this and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck this is. I've never heard this before. So, so we go by process of elimination. Luckily, Doug was there. Doug Young to help me like calm down and and like try and get through it. But he's like, okay, we'll just keep start pulling uh like mutant channels and pulling things and trying to figure it out. And finally, we figured out that it had to be the mixer. So I did a, did like a NASCAR pit stop crew change on the mixer and like moved everything over to a new mixer and put it on top of Sean's and then fired it back up again and rolled on and like did did the rest of the rodeo with a new mixer and like instantly fixed it. Damn. But I. Hey, I kind they... of didn't hear it for a while. I don't know if I don't know what the hell was going on. But anyways, that was one of my most intense things lately. It wasn't even my show, and I'm like, I don't want to fuck this up for Sean. Shit. And then yeah, I was really wrecked out. It was wild. Um, and then my other worst one would have been at uh, High River when we started the rodeo, and they came in and they're like, "Oh, it's it's too quiet. They can't hear it." So I'm like, "I'll turn it up." And they come in again. Ah, oh, they can't hear it. It's too quiet. And this went on a few times, and finally. And you by um, yourself too. Yeah. So Jillian said, Can you go have a look and like just double check the speakers? And there's torrential downpour. So she's running music there. And I go up there, there's six speakers on the lift, and there's a cable come out, and two of them are all dead. Two out of six. Oh. And the Thai River, which is a yeah. huge outdoor rodeo. Yuck. Yeah. I felt like shit about that. I had that happen in Olds with Jillian too. It's probably why I don't work any C5 rodeos anymore because I fucked it up so many times. But I had I had a lift like with those same speakers on in olds, and only half of them were powered, and it was just totally fucking trashed. Might even had eight of them up there, and only half of them were working. We're just overdriving the the half of them. And there's a guy Brad from FM is there, and Brad who I know now, and at the time he's like a bearded bearded guy with like looks a little gruff and mean, and I'm like oh fuck, like this guy thinks I'm a jackass. He's like yeah, you're overdriving. I'm like he's like I'm like what do I do? He's like I don't know, like two like I don't know, I'm still not my shit, man. Sorry. Turned out for what? <laughs> so yeah, we get to the end of the night and figure out that fucking half the speakers are working had the same issue. So damn, good times. So what's what's the most nervous you've been uh, for something you had to work that wasn't uh, audio related? Uh, the Calgary Stampede in Just the truck music. wagons playing the anthem every night and twenty thousand yes. people. Yes, where the girls up there yeah. lip syncing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can say that now because yeah, I don't work you would anymore. Do, you double your, you double your laptop. Yeah, I would right? literally play. It. So you you played on both. So if you lost you it, just bring it back up, and they could say it was an audio glitch or yeah. something. Yeah, but eventually I just yeah. started playing it on one, but I just made sure I had to try to have a decent computer, and you know, those computers don't even touch the. Internet. It is nerve wracking when your computer is leading the show. Yeah, so it could be like sing along at a big rodeo like that. 
or just the opening where it's just like music and writers and just that thought goes through your head. If this computer were to shit the bed right now, the backup. everybody in the venue, like 14,000 people would be like, what should happen? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's that one for me is the anthem, but the other one would be like, well, it was kind of a little bit of audio, but I just had a mixer in Winnipeg and Brett was announcing and he was trying to tell me, he was like pointing at himself. He was like me up. And I just looked at him and I was like, I don't, I don't know what you mean. Like, this is my first, this is my first rodeo, man. I don't know what the fuck, I don't know what I'm doing. But what so, about you? What about like, so I'll just ask you though, for, so say like Zane's retirement at PBR Canada finals uh, last year, is that something you're getting nervous about or is that something you know is going to go fine? Um, Well, I remember fucking it up because uh, the song ran out because I thought that it was going to be long enough. It was like a three and a half minute song. And right. I thought it would be long enough. I had like a really cool piece that was going to go. And all of a sudden, I just looked down. I was like, "Oh fuck, it's all, it's done." So I had to just like I just scrambled and just started it over again because it was just like kind of sounded okay. <laughs> I thought it was a good piece, but like, yeah, that was one that I I definitely screwed up. But I wouldn't say I I would get nervous for some of those finals to make sure the opening's good. Uh, the audio side wow. is pretty tricky now. Like with all those different wireless now, we've got six sets of in ears and like six or seven wireless handheld microphones. So making sure that there's no interference on all those channels. And when it'll change too, when the building gets full with all the different other stuff that gets turned on in there, like it'll change. Then the guy will have to fix it on the go. So those are pretty stressful to try to run all that wireless and play the music for a lot of years where now we have a tech on the shows, which has been a total game changer. Cause not like not having that tech was getting to be a little bit much trying to run 17 right. different wireless pieces <laughs> at the same time with the comms going through them. But uh, but no, I wouldn't say that though, Sean. For me, uh, no, the biggest, the most service I was all year was for that friggin' anthem in Calgary. Uh, honestly, because right. nothing else really rode on much as much as that one, not in front of as many people. So, mm. and I think they specifically brought me. I in thought that because somebody's fucked it up a couple of years before. But, right. Yeah. I thought that uh, Zane's retirement was was like pinnacle of PBR Canada production. I thought it was some of the best were that I've ever seen Brett do. And then when you combine it with, with what you do and how scripted and set up, like, I think that's, if you were to chop that two minutes, it's some of the finest production in Canadian rodeo or bull riding history, in my opinion. And, and I don't like, I don't know if I would totally agree with that. Cause it was like Brett talking, it was a script and it was a little bit of music where like the, so like, I, I agree it was a huge, it was a huge moment cause it was Zane but on the technical production side, I think that we're doing cooler stuff during the shows and during the openings where we can have people talk to each other in the, in through in-ears and confidence mics and technically be in the right places to smooth the transitions and have our TV producer uh, tell Scott Byrne that they're, he's, they're going to him in five, four, three, two, one. And Brett has that feed as well and can hear, and we can, we can literally produce a live show and it, and a TV show for recording at the same time that I think that like, uh-huh. I think that's the high level of production. Then, you know, like Zane's retirement's a great piece and the moment is high, but the, to be able to record two shows at once is, is pretty, it's extremely efficient. I think for what we're doing on the budget, we're doing it. Um, but those technical pieces and those, you know, all those in-ear monitors and all the confidence mics and the RTS systems, like to be able to talk to everybody and have that communication is, is, impressive what we can get done now and how efficient it is but in terms of in terms of what you're presenting to an audience i guess is what i mean to in that and that 
I feel like if you asked anybody who was in that building, even if they weren't big fans, if you casually asked them, have you ever heard of Zine Lambert? They'd probably light up and, and tell you the story about the time they saw his his retirement at that building that well, night. That, and Because and, I just felt like it left such that, an impact. That was like that, the video, though. Watching that clip gave me... The well, video yeah, sets it that's, up. That's, that's Peter true. and the feature guys and them getting that done because because they explained who Zane was in that video. If it wasn't for that video, that would have felt... Right. That would have that would have not been as successful because that video told you who Zane was and and Peter and I right. he showed me that video probably two months before like quite a ways out like they planned that for a long time ahead of time so I just remember watching like the clip on my phone of I think Zane like behind the out gate and then you guys started to build and talk talk about him and then bringing him out and and getting goosebumps which is pretty rare that I would could watch a video on my cell phone and That's get. Fair. I'm pretty sure I was so. probably bawling at the time. Just take the too. credit. I think I was definitely right. crying. It's bad. I know it's bad when that happens. There's only been a few times, like the t- the day we brought Ty, like Pazbon back in Lethbridge. That one, that one got me. It got me yeah. again now. But, um, yeah, that Zane one was. I, I I do agree now. Thinking back, those are talking about stressful moments that you want to go well. Anytime anything to do with a memorial or honoring yeah. somebody is stressful because you just know the person being honored or or, or being spoken about is worth your best work, That's right? True. So when I think back to like when we brought a mouse, um, they like pulled into, you know, for a CFR opening after, you know, he was on his, his recovery and then honoring Ty Pazabon at a, a bull riding red mm-hmm. deer. Um, those are pressure moments because well it's you put that bunch of pressure on yourself because you just you just want to you know do your best work or based on the situation well, yeah, remember our friends too like remember the taiwan i was controlling i was uncontrollably crying and just like in such bad shape and then brett's next to me and he can still get through it which is impressive on his side that he can do that but like i was just like i almost right. had to take a break after because i was just so burnt from just bawling my ass off like it was bad right and, and even like I, I remember you would have been on music for scott burns retirement at pbr canada finals in saskatoon because i was there doing pyro and some lights and those are big moments that you're only going to get once right yeah, I guess, so eh? one of the things you talked about we want to get to about is is should we even take like a break and refill our drinks and come back here should we do that too Probably sure about idea either yeah you're good to go okay let's do that thanks everybody for tuning in if you're still with us thanks for uh thanks for being with us we appreciate this It's a bit of a rabbit hole this week but uh for those that appreciate production and events i think uh hope you hope you like it and and uh we'll be back with the second half right after this Welcome back to the seven, second half of the music director cast um, <laughs> and the show with our uh, featuring our friend Cowboy Shit editor, three time CFR music director, three times he's or twice he's worked at Calgary Stampede in the big show. Um, edited almost a hundred podcasts. We're, we're figuring out here by the end of the year, we'll be at a hundo. Damn. If he sticks with us, hopefully he does. I might have to for the long haul, boys. You. Yeah, 
But uh, anyways, Sean Morton, thanks for thanks for doing this with us. We've had a pretty good chat. We talked about a lot of some of the lowlights of the music business <laughs> <laughs> to to begin. Uh, so we should probably get to some of the some of the highlights. So uh, talk about some of the highlights in the in the music business for you so far. What uh, you you talk about being nervous too, and I I gotta say I but I gotta guess that one of the first times at Calgary is probably a nervous moment. Probably first time at CFR too. But like, what are what are some of these highlights too? Yeah, that's for sure. I was fortunate the first year I did Calgary was coming out of uh, our COVID spill in Canada, so it was a you know it was a toned down version of of Calgary. So some of the things you know that might have been intimidating about it were that this wasn't the case that year. Like you know, it wasn't really sellout crowds. It wasn't full seats until later in the week. Um, I got to work that with with uh, Doug Young and uh, you know Brett and Dave, so those guys that I was familiar with um, that I'd worked with a lot before and that I you know I trusted and kind of took care of me. Um, so I really you know I kind of wrote that script any better. I think um, Ash Cooper too. Ash Cooper, yeah, that's right. So I don't think I would have been. Uh, ready to work that rodeo any sooner than that year, but because I had had worked the Canadian Finals rodeo, it kind of pushed me. Um, and uh, you know, the reason I got to sit in that seat that year was because of the COVID. Right, it was an all Canadian team. Um, kind of my line that year was COVID takes and COVID gives because that was a result of COVID. <laughs> so I got to sit in that seat. So, um, but yeah, that. I still, I you know, the biggest, the most pressure you get is the pressure you put on yourself, and I, I really wanted that to go well. Um, but it's a good group of people that that make you feel supported. Um, but man, you got to be ready. Like once that the wheels are in motion on that train, it's not slowing down for you. So, I put a lot of work in to be prepared for that, and I, and I was happy with the outcome and a lot of good memories from from that rodeo. I think my favorite memory was when you got the crowd going with Kanye West on the Sunday. Wacy and I were in the seats, and I think we were clapping along because it was freaking awesome. I think it's Power. Is it Kanye West with Power? That one? Is that the one? Yeah, I'd be an instrumental. Yeah, yeah it was kick-ass. I was a big fan. I was like, ooh, I want to use this one. <laughs> I like that. It's fun to get to listen to other people, though, like because it's not often that we get that we're around each other because we're often at different shows. So it's kind of right. a treat to hear the other guy's mm-hmm. take on it. And Doug was even well, saying Lacey had a bunch of kick-ass stuff this weekend, so I have to go Um, Like when we were starting out, there was no cowboy channel. There wasn't much rodeo on the internet, so like you could learn stuff. I could learn stuff from going to maybe CFR or Calgary Stampede where there was somebody like like Benji up here that kind of showed you like what they were doing in the States and, and um, the modern kind of take on music using modern music which hadn't maybe hadn't taken as much of a hold up here um but you know for a few years we just just kind of learned what worked i guess and tried new things and tried to get through different music um so some of the most rewarding times for me was just feeling like i was starting to make some progress and get some traction and you know have a successful erc finals or uh you know, just a random rodeo I worked or something that I felt went well because, you know, if there was, like I said, the first year or two, I just felt like I I sucked, but luckily stuck with it. And in terms of, like, starting out 
as a music director and then starting to make some traction like nobody goes far in this industry alone you need some people that that trust you that um will put you into situations to to challenge you which allows you to improve and to step up to bigger events and I look at what you and Jason have done. You guys have been working together for years along with, with Blaine and, and the rest of the crew. You guys have been coast to coast, Peter, and built that tour up. And and then, you know, to be, yeah, and to be working in, in Roger's place and, and bringing bull riding to that venue, um, you know, that's an awesome partnership that's mutually beneficial. And, you know, I've had people the same way that have trusted me, like Keenan Bind. Um, put me into situations that were out of my comfort zone and stretched my my capabilities but he trusted me and you know I worked hard to deliver and uh, that's you know that's paid dividends for me and I just I wouldn't have got into those situations without having somebody in my corner so you do you know starting out and then starting to build your career you need somebody in your corner that will help you along because it's not going to happen on your own you're not going to go far as a little more do you remember any of the rides or 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 the runs or, or even like, like the, a perf like there's there's always those yeah. times you know, like there's times when a guy has like you have like a shitty perf you're not feeling your best but there's times when you're just rolling and like you can't do no wrong yeah it's just flowing. um there was a perf at, at lee park in 2019 so i looked this up um in the bareback riding so richie champion was 90 and a half clint lay was 89 I Marshall eighty eight, Connor Hamilton eighty eight, Caleb Bennett eighty seven and a half, Dan Birch eighty seven and a half, and it goes on. And I think four or five of those rides happened within literally within four minutes of that rodeo starting. Like it was, it was bang bang bang. Like you just you know the guys would just get a score, score out, and they'd buck the next horse, and it um it was flowing. And I I remember that perf like that was you know I just. I felt like I was right there with those guys. Um, and that would have been with, with Doug and Brett. And uh, we have moments where it, you just, it goes just as you hoped it will and you wouldn't change anything about it. That's that's super rewarding. So that was a big day. I actually have that recorded. I, I remember I was talking to a rodeo. They were kicking tires and they are like, they were talking to me and they said, well, they didn't know me. So like, well, can we hear like one of your rodeos so i said well record something and send it to you so yeah i have that art i have that bareback section recorded and someday i'll <laughs> dig it up and listen to it again. really yeah. that's cool how much of an effect your music can have on those moments like a, any like any rodeo can have those that big of scores and rides but if you're bringing the shit along with it, it just it takes it to that next level right it took me a while to learn but like music can never make a performance i i feel anyways i mean you guys might disagree it can only make it better, but it, it can never be better than the announcer or um, the at a rodeo, the, the content of the rodeo. Like, nobody ever says, you know, well, how was the rodeo? Well, it was shitty. They never wrote anything, and the announcer sucked, but we had a good time because the music was good. I, I well, just think the, the limiting factor, like, music can only be as good as, as the content. But But in saying that, I remember a perf one time in London, Ontario, where we rode four bulls and we had a fucking awesome time. But we also had Brinson and Brett 
and we got to play it loud and it was a full house and so and dalen swearage had rode the last bull and but we like we had a fucking awesome event like it was one of the it was a memorable show and it was memorable because we had four rides but we still like i remember talking to peter and brinson and brett and like everybody after were like hey like nobody rode any bulls but like that was still friggin off the rock got a yeah. great show because so, the crowd engagement too has a good like, yeah. a, like, like you go to like a bull busting crowd like you can get them rocking like well, they can fall off every fucking bull yeah. and it's like a rowdy time so i in saying that i purposely said rodeo because what you guys have, <laughs> what you guys have gotcha. created with pbr canada when you talk about what you do ted what brett and dave bring what brinson brings you know, with video, with feature, and then just your production, you guys can successfully entertain a crowd regardless of what happens with the bull riding. But that, I think, is one of the only scenarios where that plays out in Canada. And and it's, you know, it's a success on your part because, like, let's face it, you can always count on a lot of bull rides with... um the level of bulls we have up here, right? So for you guys to entertain people, regardless of who stays on what, it is a big win, but I I don't think you can replicate that in a rodeo It's well. tough in the rodeo performance when you have like 12 break ride ropers and one of them catches or like 12 yeah. steer wrestlers and there's no run lower than 10 or 17 seconds. Like it's hard to get, it's hard to be like, it's like, oh, here they go. And then, oh, they missed. It's like, you can't really get any momentum doing that. So on my point about like music enhancing rodeo, you can have great content in the arena and, and great rides are great rides with or without music, but good music in an opening during a rodeo after a great ride or run, it enhances it and it makes it seem better. It makes it seem more fun or more energetic or you can you can um, build on moments and that's I think where music um, really comes into play and that's why I feel like we're really fortunate with the announcers we have in Canada to get to work these events because I'll say it again like without a good announcer you can only do so much there are some good announcers in Canada some really good ones some really good ones some of the best around so I think some a lot of underrated guys up here that don't get some of the yeah we're, we also... we're super fortunate yeah um where else do we want to go with this? Right well, one now? thing, one thing to mention would be the committees. Like a lot of committees take a risk and and like spend a lot of money to bring sound and good quality audio. And we had to work some really cool people. Like even the like last I was just in Battleford this weekend. Like they're they're a committee that actually gives a shit. Like they want to put on a good show and entertain people, and and they give a shit on like how the production goes. And I think that that often gets overlooked. And even on the competitor side, is like how much work the committees put into putting on a good quality performance and bring the right people in to make shit happen. Yeah. It's a most selfless job in rodeo, right? Um, you know, they're all volunteers. They work for days before we get there and days after. And a lot of them are lucky if they get so much as a thanks. Um, so, you know, we're just really fortunate. There's people that do that willing to do it. They see the value in hosting a community event and, and giving cowboys, somewhere to compete and and earn living and they they keep doing it well and one thing you wanted to get to sean was how do people get involved like how do people get doing like we're in a position where we need more people doing what we're doing and 
it seems like that's kind of a next hurdle for us to jump over. Yeah, there is a, a lot of room up here. Like, I remember when I started thinking about doing music and I phoned Brett Carter and said, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you what do you think? And he said, there's lots of room. Give it a try. And that's still true. There's because there's it seems like there's more events than ever. There's more events that probably used to just do whatever for their music or they would ask their announcer to do it, that they want somebody who's focused and committed to that and they want their announcers to focus on announcing and not having to run a laptop at the same time. So I would invite anybody who's thinking about doing this or is interested in it to, to you know, reach out to one of us. Like, There's just there's so much room for, for more people to get involved and it doesn't have to be something that you do as a hobby to break even like it's this is part of how i earn my living um it's been more of a blessing than i could have ever hoped for so that's another reason what i i would encourage people to give it a try and and um you know it's something that can work for men or women boys or girls right like two of the most prominent music directors in the states one in the pbr and one in pro rodeo are both women so taylor bells and jill franz and yeah, bring trying to teach them the way. So, yeah, if you got any interest in music, though, like Sean says, give us a call because we will, we will probably put you to work. If uh, if you want, if you like to work, if you like to work and you like rodeo and you like to maybe do some music, we'll probably put you to work. And it really isn't that much work when you. No, you do have to be willing to pack some speakers around and hook them up and and run them, and hopefully our our stories didn't scare you off. Um, <laughs> but we, we have did, learned uh, a lot of those lessons. That hopefully, make yeah. it so it's not so bad for you. Yeah, but I know there's people out there that that love rodeo and bull riding like we do and want to be involved. Um, I don't know how, and they, they don't even realize this is an option. But mm-hmm. um, you know, you get a front row seat to to these events. You know what you're gonna make before you get there, so you don't have to worry about missing in the breakaway rope and or falling off your bull and not getting a check. <laughs> as long as um, you send the invoice before you go, right? Less guessing. You get to work with some cool committees. Shout out to Gator. <laughs> <laughs> Gators had probably some of the like most trials and tribulations in For the sure. sound game that I've ever heard. Yeah. But we love them still. Yeah. We miss them. Love you, Gator. What's some of the what come back from trying to different what's some of the craziest shit you've seen happen during performance over the years? Like as like working on the production side or selling an announcer booth. Like what's um, I was working the bull riding in Edmonton that had a streaker. That was stand out. <laughs> oh yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> that was the night that I met Storm. The day that I met Storm in uh, Swift Current. It was I just so in love. Fun. Yeah, and then that was all the all the rage because you and Kobe were up there. And yeah. yeah, the guy threw his wiener out and went. Didn't across Kobe the a picture of him running around? He with did. His horn sticking out. He did. Yeah. <laughs> that was that's funny. And he kind of. Like he didn't look a lot like Aaron Roy, but he looked enough like Aaron Roy that we could joke that it was Aaron Roy celebrating winning the event. I thought it was like it looked like Burke Ramsey for a while too. Oh, for sure it says yeah. <laughs> what did you have crazy go on, Wace? Well, still to this day, this I think we've told the story on here before, but when we were in well, there was the Gator uh, one in Stratonia when the Etonia. bull got in the crowd. Oh no, that was was that. Is Etonia? Yeah, the Etonia Bull. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a wild one. That's right. Got, you and I were on the road together. That was my, like, my first weekend like on the road doing sound with you because we did like Etonia, Lashburn, yeah. and another and spot. Elnora. Elnora, yeah. And there was some Wednesday. We yeah, did, we, did, we, did, we did the golf tournament. Um, oh, that's did, right. Anyways, anyways, we did some fun Lashburn. shit. Yeah, I don't know. But that fucking... Um, 
yeah, that bull getting in the crowd is some of the craziest shit I ever heard. But I don't, stuff like that. I can't even I don't know any of the crazy ones right now. I'm not sure what Did you guys ever do you ever witness any like any of the Ricky Ticky malfunctions? Um I've only, only place I've worked with Ricky Ticky is Grand Prairie. And um I don't recall anything too wild. <laughs> one of the other things you had in here was uh favorite moments. Like what about one of the I gotta say that I get really fired up during the bull riding sometimes, like during uh during the rides they'll jump be jumping up and down and yipping and cheering on like it was a little bit more it's it's still pretty intense but it was a little maybe more intense with guys that i was riding against back in the Your day buddies, yeah back like when ty rode uh forget i think it was ringo star maybe or something i forget what the well it was johnny ringo johnny ringo in abbotsford when he won the pbr canada title that night and in, in his home province uh that one was really really kick-ass that been 2016 in the fall of 2016 that was pretty awesome that's one of the ones that's really coming to me now. But like, maybe like Zane's last ride, that was a tough one. And we did that right. thing in the arena for him after. Um, What's your favorite event to work music for at a rodeo? Me? Or would you rather be at a bull riding? Well, I got to say that Pinocchio was pretty unreal this last year for what we right. did there. It was pretty like, well, I should say that one was unbelievable. The The Saturday night PBRs we've had there the last couple of years, like the 20, like the COVID year. And then I guess, uh, well, I guess it wasn't COVID year. Was it 2021? Yeah, it wasn't 2021 that they had the thing in September because they didn't have a rodeo for two Julys. So, right. Yeah, so the fall 21 was unbelievable. There was like 12,000 people there. They set like liquor uh, uh, sales records. Like that one was so wild just because it's so many people. Like by attendance, it's the lar- the highest attended bull riding event in the country. Because they're like the the one night we had like twelve thousand people there, so to have that and then have Ash going with like sing alongs to start it off, like it was fucking electric, and you know just with the mass amount of people, because like Edmonton doesn't like the PBR Canada Finals doesn't have that many people, CFR doesn't have that many people anymore, right? So like the this this you know, and I shouldn't say it's the biggest because of Calgary, but for bull riding only that was the biggest bull riding crowd right. of the year, so that was unbelievable at the pyro and just the scale of it it's just so massive so that was and really you, really cool and it gets you to and brett work together so much that you guys know where each other are going right like it's, that's true it's easy to be in sync that's true we, which yeah, I think we work a ton of purse really makes yeah that's when our job i think goes the best is when we're you know where your announcers are going or you can kind of yeah. predict what's what's going to happen and you can follow them along or lead them into something that you know yeah. is you know they're gonna deliver on and and part of that's kind of the part of that's best a, example of that the format we've built though right like over the years we've right I, know, I, I guess like Brett and I have made the format where each ride is a clip right like we're making it a social media clip essentially it's a minute and a half and usually I started off with a bit of a a bit of music. Like, so we're starting the first ride. It's a bit of music. I'll start it off and kind of lead him into where he wants to go, or he'll start me. Like, it's kind of one or the other, and we'll make it work. But usually it's music first. I'll kind of set the stage. And sometimes we'll talk about it beforehand. See, like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to hit Zane. We're going to hit Parsons. We're going to hit Jordan Hansen. going to hit Brock Radford. going to hit Lonnie West. Wow. You know, Lonnie West is going to be money for nothing. Parsons, we're going to do the cowboy bit. Like, we're going to try and do a couple of bits and build the characters. Cody Kowchuk still Dre. Um, you know, there's a couple of these pieces for the guys' request. But like it's right. a format, so it's like music, uh, music to start. Brett here, uh, the ride, the music goes back up again, 
Brett, like Brett's in on it the whole time. And then we can either go like build a dramatic piece at the front. We can build a crowd pumpy piece with Brinson on the front. Um, and then Dave kind of right. works the replay at the end. And then Brett will kind of come back in and sell the song, uh, sell the, sell the ride and the score. And then it comes back down and then there's a music transition to the next one. Right. It's like that, that kind of flow of the ride where sometimes right. like, and, and even last week working with Dave Polson, there was no, we didn't have that format. And like, you know, we didn't probably need it because the rodeo is three and a half hours long, but like, but like Dave will kind of right. roll in there and be like, Oh yeah, we're going to go to this guy and this, this bull. And it's kind of like, there's that build and the dramatic piece is gone because there's no there. Cause it's uh, you know, we haven't really set the stage and built it up. We don't have the crowd interaction thing going. Like it's those segments are a little more broken up where and I, I with Brad and I, we've done so many, we built those formats. I mentioned before that, like announcer can only do so much or sorry, a music guy can only do so much with an announcer, but that's, that's a two way deal. Cause an announcer can only do so much if they don't have the right music. Right. Like, um, you know, if you're doing a memorial, memorial piece and the, the music isn't right, or if you're trying to build Definitely. for a big ride or a big moment and the guy's playing money, money, the music uh, you, guys you, playing. You can't build playing, that. Uh, so spirit in the sky. It's just yeah. Like <laughs> I know I really enjoy working with Brett because we can get on the same page. Um, I I think this is my hot take. I think Brett Gardner is one of the best announcers in the world, and I don't say that like vaguely. I'm saying specifically. Like I'm using this public forum to say that Brett Gardner is probably. Um top two or three in the world uh and i would argue that with anybody and i don't think that's my bias i think that's my educated opinion yeah i'm with you on that i'd say top two or three for sure Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i think you could drop him in to the nfr the pbr world finals or anything in between and he he would fit right in and and um you know find ways to to go there with those events and you know bring them to the highest level so um we're just fortunate that you know that we get to work them up here as much as we do i'm just fortunate that his mom is my aunt's uh my aunt's cousin and we're not really family but we grew up on the same road (laughs) we used to play bull riding on his trampoline who was the bull he was the bull (laughs) who was the bull (laughs) him and his brother kenton yeah yeah we live on the same road now i remember like like wearing out the collars on their shirts because i was playing bull rider on the trampoline with them when we were kids god thank you yeah. What? Well, what about you, Sean? What were some? What's some of your favorite place spots? Yeah. Where, yeah. What are yours? I also got to throw an Armstrong. Uh, that was fucking unreal last year. So kick ass. I uh, I love a good section of bareback riding anywhere. Like when it's snappy, when they're bucking horses fast, and and guys are riding well. And I mean the way things have progressed with the sport, that maybe only happens as much at Calgary Stampede or Canadian Finals Rodeo or some of the bigger rodeos, but man like to kick off a calgary stampede the sun is shining you know the seats are full people are pumped up and they start bucking bareback horses um it's fast it's snappy it's predictable you know they're they're coming the announcers are rolling and it's the start of the rodeo i that's probably the most rewarding thing i can do in that position i much prefer that to barrel racing at the start I, uh, yeah, I, I, I race at the start. I don't care. I like working barrel racing. Barrel racing, not barrel, man. Any rodeo that I work, the barrel racing is such an uplifting energy thing. 
Yeah, but Everywhere. I wish it was at the end before the bull riding. Oh, man. You gotta set the fucking tone. It builds. Like, you build it high oh, with, man. The, with the bareback. I, dis- I disagree. Then you come back and you get back going again before the bull riding. That's what I think. It has been tough to get used to bear racing and start these it. events, but I it's think it's awesome. stick around. So it's true. Especially at, especially at the so smaller you- events with when we don't have the quality of like bareback riders or the quality at the top half of it. If you can get true. it, you can smoke them with some good barrel racing runs and get the energy going at the beginning. Like maybe at the CFR and other venue, like other places where you know you're gonna have a quality content across the board, but That's like true. at a TP Creek or like a North Battleford or these smaller rodeos where you don't have the quality, you may you would may have in the rough stock end at the, some of the bigger rodeos. If you have a solid barrel race where you get like Doug or whoever gets the crowd going, it can make a huge yeah. difference on the show. Did you? So did you mean events all along? Like you're asking what my favorite like rodeo event was? Like not like event. No, I was I was interested to hear what you had to say either way, but. <laughs> yeah, I think on the barrel racing thing, like that's gonna stick around. And part of the, one of the main reasons is it takes the ground, the deal and the drag during the middle of the rodeo out of it. Like I think that's that's um, Keenan finds kind of something that he's implemented that's been picked up and and people are starting to run with. Um, so yeah, I think you're gonna see that stick around. I'm here for it. You're probably right. I gotta get used to it. I like it sometimes. I like it sometimes. I, I think people would assume that um, like bull riding is the most fun to work, but it can be the most challenging because it's so unpredictable. Like somebody pulling their rope on a bull, they might nod in 10 seconds. They might nod in four minutes. Four and ten. you have to be ready for each of those situations, right? So And reset. That's why I think I can do... You know, enjoy doing good work in the barrel racing or bareback riding because the timing is pretty consistent, right? Makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's very what true. else do you want to work, Sean? What other events do you want to get to or do or do uh like do you want to switch some shows at some point or like what's the what do we what do you want to do? Yeah, it's a good question. There was a time where I I thought it'd be really cool to go down to the states, um, and just now with with my family and with what I have going on here, that's not really an ambition of mine. I'm pretty content to just go to this, you know, similar events each year. Um, there's comfort in going back to events you've worked before, you know, the setup, you know, the people. So, I mean, this, this journey as a music director has exceeded my expectations in every way. I never got into it to work at Canadian finals rodeo or Calgary stampede or, some of these other great events I get to go to. Um, so I'm, there's not really something that I'm striving for that's, that I haven't got to do yet. And I'm, I'm just happy to, to just keep being involved in the industry and keep it working the events I do. And, um, once in a while, something new pops up or a new challenge. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm content to just keep doing what I'm doing it for me right now you know, the biggest thing I'm striving for is to not work music like I did two years ago or three years ago and just trying to reinvent some stuff, how you go about doing it and just not be the same, the same old guy that plays the same old stuff and just, I guess, not be predictable, which is, is the biggest challenge I'm finding at this point. And and by not being predictable or by doing things different, what are you doing different? I know, I know, for me, I just get like, I've had a few times where I just get sick of the music. I'm just like, fuck, I don't want to play the same shit over and over and over and over again. Like, 
I got to play some new stuff. So sometimes I'll just leave like, I'll leave my pages where they're red. Like if I play something, it's red. Remember one weekend in Grand Prairie a couple of years ago, I played like red three day bull riding and I didn't play anything the same except for the openings for mm-hmm. the whole weekend. Cause I was just like, I'm sick of playing the same shit. What are you doing? How, yeah. how are you making it fresh? That, that's a, that's a big challenge. Um, like a 10 day rodeo, you know, you need a lot of music not to be, to be repetitive at that. So for me, it's putting the time in to, um, to always be exploring new music and, that's the other advantage that music directors have nowadays that they didn't before. Like every, you have every song, um, in the palm of your hand on your phone, you know, through Spotify. And not only do you have every song, but you can find a song you like, and you can ask that app to show you similar artists and similar songs, and then you go explore them. So if I find one song from a band that I like, or, you know, a song that I like, I need to listen to every song that band's put out. And then I need to start looking at what are similar bands or artists to them. And it's kind of like this roots on a tree. Like it just, it just keeps growing. Right. So some days or weeks, you might get through a few hundred songs and not find one thing you can use. And sometimes you might find a band and there's, there's like eight songs right there you can use. And it's, it's exciting, right? But you're going fishing and, and, uh, some it gets harder and harder the more you explore it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when you do find something that you haven't heard that you know is going to be good, it's exciting and you're just excited to use it, put it to work. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with that. I like that. That's a great answer, Sean. I think it's kind of cool too that, you know, technically you and I could be like, the, some of the biggest competitors like you and me and Wacy, like we're all competing against each other for these big jobs but at the same time we're all on the same team like we're all like we're all friends and we're like we're happy that the next guy will get the gig and you know so yeah i, I think really... i think that speaks to our friendship and it also speaks to yeah. the amount of good work that's available in canada that true um, you know you're not fighting over table scraps there's a lot true. of good events to work in canada yeah. Exactly. We got a lot of good. You're thinking about joining us. Come aboard. So going to the back of the podcast, though, kind of the big thing we wanted. One of the big things we wanted to go is like some of your favorite shows, some of your favorite definitions. Uh, I know, like for Wacy and I, I always go back to Larry the Cable Guy, just being able to get him on the show and him actually acknowledging me enough to know who I was from Twitter and you know, like agreeing to do the show Mm -hmm. as a pretty major celebrity, uh, you know, in in his lifetime. Uh, Core being a friend is pretty crazy. Colder wall. Colder, that's a that's a nice feather in the cap for us. Having yeah, that, especially with all the the Rogan thing that keeps happening. Oh yeah, but even like Brett Kissel was really cool to have on the show. I really enjoyed having him on there. Mm-hmm. Um, Brett was like Brett far exceeded my expectations. He was great. Um, when you got Larry, that was a big moment, and I know that was a big show because of people who don't know anything about the podcast, like. If I bring it up, maybe somebody I work with or something. Everybody knows they'll, it. Well, they'll say, what's, like, what's it, you know, is it successful? Do people listen to it? I said, yeah, like, the guys have had some good success. Um, got over 200,000 downloads. They've had, you know, guys like Larry the Cable Guy and Corb Lund and Ron McLean. Oh, and, yeah, Ron McLean, yeah. And I saw I kind of, I kind of name drop um, some of those guys. It's just, just, yeah. But, yeah, Larry was a big deal. Mm-hmm. What about... And then the sorry, go ahead. The guest that I've enjoyed the most is, is guys that have 
been a big fan of. So like when you're, when you're talking to Zeke, um, Jake Vogel, those, you know, big fan of his career, Jordan Hansen, um, guys like that. I've just really enjoyed those episodes. Yeah. It's fun talking to your friends. That's one that one, like, I like, that's how I answer all the time. Like go back, like talking to Oren and Dakota and Jared and guys that I grew up with and been around lots. You have like stories that people never would hear aside from like knowing them from hanging around them growing right. up. Right. Like that's, it's fun to share those things on this type of platform for sure. And then the Gator episode. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, that's a classic. If you could make a podcast of people that just got into harrowing situations and came out alive, then Gator would fit right into that. Yeah. And that would be, he should a have a show like that just hosted. Oh man. Just interview people who are similar to him. And this Gator things. Gator's got some other shenanigans. He's been in and out of that uh, would make a follow up. Good follow up show. <laughs> For those that don't know, we like today we're recording the show on Monday or sorry. What day is it? Monday. Yeah. Shit. It's already Monday. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Monday night we're doing this show. It's 10 49 PM mountain time. <laughs> And Sean's going to edit the show and have it back to us by tomorrow night by this time. So we can upload it uh, for first thing Wednesday. And that's been our process to kind of make sure we get things done to him with at least mm-hmm. try to at least give you a day to turn it around. Um, sometimes we give it to you sooner, but um, we can, yeah. this is kind of the process though, is like, you know, two weeks ahead of time. Diamonds. Or no, sorry, two days ahead of, or one day ahead of time. Diamonds are made under pressure, baby. Yeah. So is that working for you, Sean, or do we need to change the <laughs> process? Uh, sometimes you give me a heads up and say, I'm going to be busy, so we try and get it earlier, but how are we looking? Yeah, like we've, I think we've put out, I think both years, um, I worked Stampede, we put an episode out over it, and we put one out over CFR Canadian Finals Rodeo last year because I remember listening to it on the drive down. Mm. Um but I don't know. I find a, I find a way to make it work. I don't want to be committed when it's convenient and not when it isn't. So I don't know. We always make it work, and that's one of the things I'm I'm proud of about the show is that it's consistent. Because there's been a lot of Western sports podcasts come and go since you guys started. You guys were one of the first. Like I would say, ninety percent of them started after you, and a lot of them have gone away. Some are very inconsistent they'll come and go when it's convenient but you guys have have hit your mark um you know every time on that deadline and except for one time we got it on uh, thursday i'm still re- i still remember was it daylight? i don't think i was involved no, you weren't that was before, what happened on my watch that was before sean's times yeah one well, and we probably could put that probably get put to bed too you know it's, <laughs> it's probably not healthy holding on to that for so long <laughs> Um, when I hear like a new podcast come out and it's somebody who it's not their job and they're like, yeah, we're going to do one episode a week. I just think, I mean, you guys can speak to it. It's a there's a lot more to it to have a guest booked and get that show recorded because especially when you're dealing with Cowboys, your schedules are inconsistent. They're not always reliable, but you need to hit that mark. So I know it's, it's challenging for you guys too, right? It ain't easy. But we do it any easy, but we do it because we're for the people. We, we even the people. We almost forgot about this one tonight, but we remembered. <laughs> and here we are. Here we're we getting are. Getting it done. <laughs> here we are. Well, and is there anything anything you have for us you want to ask us, Sean, before? Or any feedback? You comment? This is honesty feedback? time. You can say whatever it's you safe, want. It's a safe space that I won't even, I won't get mad. I promise. 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 I, I told you pissed. recently, I miss, I miss you guys um, singing on the Let's podcast. Sing the like used to, what were you, what used to sing? Well, no, we used to. 
used to play some music and like, the way he does the the ring and the ah the problem with doing it is with different places that there's a bit of a delay change. yeah yeah I close anyway okay what else do you guys want to we'll roll on okay ready Begin to pray. Okay, wait. We're still recording. You got to do your question. Tears of joy. Okay. Now my face. Call it good. With arms wide open. Okay, enough of that. Let's move on. <laughs> not that you're not saying a special I'm, request. I'm tired and I want to go to bed soon. Um. Okay. So Sean, back to the back to business here. What is your definition of cowboy shit? You've heard it pretty near hundred times now. Yeah, I think I'd have a better answer. When I think of cowboy shit in terms of like. Cowboys, that a rodeo one, I think it like the grind. Like when I think when Jordan Hansen was on on the pod and just talked about like coming up here for Calgary Stampede with COVID lockdowns and having to be apart from his family, even though he was home, and just like grinding that out, and then ultimately winning. And when he told his story, you're like so happy that he won because you see what he has to go through but you know everybody's going through that so just a grind of rodeo contestants going up and down the road having to pay their own way um travel they do the sacrifices they make and then you know we get to see the ultimate success and a guy like zeke thurston to you know win three world championships like the echelon of of success for a, a cowboy like that's the the best outcome right so those are things that come to mind when i think of cowboy shit yeah, right what about cowboy shit in your own life <laughs> i don't do much cowboy shit i used to skydive but i quit fucking skydive you could even say though like there's, a, there's an element to cowboy shit of like doing what you guys do and what we do i guess like when shit goes sideways with some speakers or some sound, you just fucking find a way to get it done and fix it and roll on and the show Work goes the on, problem. Right? It's just like, that's cowboy shit. It's just making shit happen. Forget the form, um, get the homework. Yeah, just make it just make it work. Just by any means possible, right? Um, I don't, Do you know Canadian astronaut Chris Hadfield? I, I read his book. He's badass. He used to fly fighter jets and he was a test pilot and he went to space. But I read his book and and. He, uh, like his saying was always like, work the problem. You know, if something's going wrong, like do something about it, work the problem. And then he also has another thing that I think that applies to what we do is like in every situation, you can be a one, a zero, or a minus one. So a one is helpful, a zero is neutral, and a minus one is you're not helping, you're making things worse. So we sometimes work in stressful or less than ideal situations, but I've kind of packed that around that, um, you know, when you're in an outer stand or you're working with a, a team of people, even if things aren't going great, you can choose to be a one, a minus one or a zero. And I always try to be at least a zero, if not a plus one. Hmm. I've never heard that before, but I like Good that. Insights, I like that a lot. I like that. Really I know cool. I've been in minus one a few times. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've been guilty. Of that. Yeah, we all have. Guilty as charged. As hard as we try. You catch yourself, you right? Do. I do. I need to do that better at that so. as they say you gotta check yourself before you wreck yourself when you're in the third hour of slack after a three-hour perf yeah sometimes it can get a little sometimes a little minusy a little minus one eat yourself off the announcer stand <laughs> what time did what time did bonneville wrap up last year like 2 a.m. or something crazy yeah 
I got back yeah, easy to be a minus one in that situation oh after the slack and then be thanks for uh yeah. thanks for the time to do this uh sean he's been the editor of our podcast for almost 100 shows now though uh former skydiver like we didn't even talk about crazy bastard um do you ever get any wild shit skydiving it was all pretty like pretty reasonable should it ever go sideways there? um i tell you use my reserve parachute one time what was that like you shit yourself yeah it's real scary because if that one doesn't work um, you're fucked but the, the, honestly, the the most scary times of skydiving is kind of when you're starting out and like gaining competency, and um, when you first start to do confidence, yeah, free fall on your own, and then when you first start to pack your own parachute, those are scary. like I remember going to pull my parachute, just thinking, "Fuck, I hope this works." <laughs> and you kind of learn later that like it's a pretty simple system that. It, it wants to work regardless of how you put it how you packed it but those moments were scary I did like some jumps at night um which was scary and out of helicopters and hot air balloons and holy shit um but I do feel like going through that has helped me now and just still trying to think clear under stressful situations and not being a minus one not doing the minus I saw Ted pull the fitted sheet tonight, and I do not think he could pack a parachute competently. <laughs> I was trying to show Wade how to pull life. the fitted, fitted sheet. <laughs> it's pretty much the same. I don't know, man. Really? I'll send you a video of Ted next time I see him doing it because it's oh, not right. <laughs> That's wild. So you, when, you, when you're packing a parachute, what the fuck are you trying to do? You're just trying to keep everything straight and untangled and folded the right way. All and, the strings, too. And you have to be efficient enough that it fits into the into the container when you're done. Yeah. Um, Holy shit. Funny segue. So I, some of your listeners would remember Shane Listing, who's a bull rider. Yeah. Um, he was skydiving too. So, yeah, so he still is. So one of the last skydives I've made, uh, my mom was doing a tandem, and I, I jumped with him, and Shane Listing was, was the tandem instructor. So, like, I... I traveled a little bit like at the end of Sheen's career when I was just starting as a bullfighter. If somebody would have told me then, yeah, like I'll let one day I'll let Shane Listing take my mom for a skydive, I would have said, you know, no way in hell. <laughs> so you had to pull your reserve parachute? Like what happened? Did you pack your first one bad and it got tangled up? Or like what happened? No, this was like, I don't know, I'd had a couple hundred jumps, I think, at that time. And I, it was probably a mistake I made in packing it. And um, there's lots of ways that a parachute can kind of malfunction. But if some of the uh, cords that steer a canopy are a little bit tangled, then it doesn't fly straight. So I opened mine and I just remember looking up at the at the lines above my head and there was a couple that were crossed over. And then as soon as the, as the canopy gained speed, it started to dive and spin. And I knew that I had to, we call it chop it. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's one handle to, to release it. And there's a second handle to open your reserve. And I was able to do that land fine. Holy shit. Yeah. It was a few moments of, a few moments of concern. So, so when you're in the like death spin and then you got to bail on the one, like you're letting go of the one and then you got to free fall again for a while. Or like how long does it take for the other one to kick in? Oh, not very long. Like. Five seconds, maybe. but five seconds it feels like eight seconds or longer. But you're not very, you're not very far above the ground at that point, so that part's unnerving yeah. too. 
Yeah, like what's your altitude then? 3,000 feet. Holy shit, what's the like worst case Ontario for footage? Only 1,500 feet? Yes. If you didn't, if you, if I remember right, it's been a few years, but yeah, if you didn't, if you didn't pull your reserve by 1,500 feet, you're probably making me do it. Holy shit. It's, it's kind of crazy with skydiving, like, because obviously bull riding, rodeo are a dangerous sport, but, um, amount of people I know, I've, I never lost friends to skydive, but I know multiple people that have died in that sport and it's never been new people. It's people that are, are highly experienced and they're pushing themselves. Like I was on, uh, I was down in Arizona skydiving and, and we, you can jump out of a hot air balloon down there. So, so we did that and there was on that jump, there was me, there was another couple. And then there was two guys that were both doctors, Dr. Dave and, and, and Dr. Doug. Um, and they both since passed away when, when in a skydiving accident and one in a base jumping accident. Holy shit. So it's humbling in that sense. So yeah, once I got married and had kids, it just wasn't fun anymore. Wow. Didn't you go with my brother one time? Yes, that's a funny story. I'm glad you brought that up. Your <laughs> brother's the only guy I ever know, and maybe one of the only people in history that skydived wearing cowboy boots. <laughs> and not ironically, he just he was going skydiving, and he just was wearing cowboy boots, and he never thought he needed anything else. But that type of skydiving he was doing, you have to climb out on the on the strut of the plane and hold onto the wing, so. It's, Cowboy boots aren't really ideal. You got a little spur ledge. You can just hook in. Well, I guess so, yeah. yeah. Not much retraction, but you do have a spur ledge. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's some cowboy shit. Might be onto something. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do you want to redo your do you want to redo your definition and be like, cowboy shit? Yeah, your brother actually jumped skydiving out of urban skydiving. (laughs) You ever been skydiving cowboy boots, bro? Okay, well, once again, thanks to our friend, Sean Morton. He's almost edited a hundred of the podcasts now. He's been with us for many years, a friend for a long time, friend for life, some might say. Damn. Thanks again, though, for being on the show. We uh, we sure appreciate it. It was a heck of a fun visit. It went uh, longer than longer than most. So thanks for thanks for doing it. Um, have fun editing it. I'm sorry <laughs> for the extra, uh, but it's half your fault because we talked the whole time. You're part of it, so fuck you, bud. Yeah. okay thank you once again over and out I can see her lying back in her satin dress Shame.